0: Are you ready to tap submit? Let's explore the possibilities together. Welcome to Back Porch Writer. Welcome to Back Porch Writer, the show for writers about writers and writing. I'm your host, Corey Miller, and today is June 14th, 2017, and it was a scorcher today. I'm not going to lie, it was a little hot. I ended up going to the pool, but the only reason I allowed that to happen in my day today was because I took a quiz. I successfully completed the quiz and I thought, you know what, I deserve a break today. (laughs) So I took a little break, took the kids to the pool and hung out with uh, some other friends at the pool just for a couple hours. That's all I needed because tonight it's back to the grind right after the show. I'm going to be sitting down doing homework and getting an assignment or two finished and, and submitted. But it was nice to get outside even though it was a bit of a scorcher. It was still nice to get outside. I'm not going to complain about that because before long, (laughs) we will have winter, not fall necessarily, because that doesn't really happen here for any length of time, to be honest. We kind of have a little blip of spring, a little blip of fall, and then we just have summer and winter (laughs) with which to contend. Speaking of, last night we had some storms come through and the alarms are going off and I'm getting up constantly to turn off the alarms because we have weather radios. I should back up and tell you that we have weather radios. And so they alert us to the various things that are happening around us. I have them set up that way, but they were out constantly last night. And thankfully it ended up to be no big deal for where we are. So I, I was very pleased about that, but it didn't have to be a late night because we were staying up kind of waiting to see if it would pass without the tremendous amount of hail and 60 mile per hour winds that were being told to us via the the weather radio. But All's well, so I'm happy. That's cool. It's all good. And I have some plants growing in pots that are not dead. You know, I mean, all is right with with the little world here, right? When the plants are actually dead that I put into the pots late, I'm pretty pleased about that. So tonight, I, I've got a, a guest coming on who he has been on the show before. Actually, he's been on a few times. I don't even remember how many times. Uh, but every time he comes on, it's such a great chat. And it's with Tony Wilkins. And some of you may recall that he has his own a uh, very popular weekly show. It's Small Business Forum Radio, and it's right here on Blog on Talk. And he does so many other things. I mean, and that's one of the reasons why he comes back to the Backboard to program is because every time he comes back, we have something new to chat about. And that is the case tonight. So we're going to be talking with Tony in just a couple minutes about uh, the Career Whisperer series and what he's been up to since the last time he came on the program when we were talking about the Career Whisperer and before the show we were chatting. So I know it's a lot. You know, and I'm just thinking, oh, my God, I'm just so tired. Wow, how do you do that? <laughs> it's kind of how I feel about it. I'm sort of living vicariously through what he's doing, I suppose. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> so he's going to give us some insights into what he's been up to, maybe why he does what he does. You know, what drives a person to want to go? And he, he went from like nine speaking engagements per year, I think, to 15 or something like that. He'll correct me if I'm wrong. But what drives a person to do that? You know, that takes a lot of energy, Um, and he's out on the West Coast. I know he just was in New York on the East Coast, so just all over the place. I mean, if you really want to know about coaching and careers in coaching, which I brought up last week, you know, this is someone you might want to connect with, you know. I mean, coaching, I, I think I mentioned it last week. It is in the United States, well, in North America, I should say. It's a $955 million industry. That's a lot, $955 million industry. Now, this is according to the Global Coaching Study, and that was done by PricewaterhouseCoopers for the International Coach Federation. And it was released in 2016. It's based on numbers from 2015. That was the most recent information that I could acquire. And in North America, the share of the professional coaching pie is about 33%. The only place beating that is Western Europe, and that's at 35%. So coaching, it's a big deal. It's booming, especially for females. 67% 67% of the coaching professionals happen to be women. The average annual income in North America when they did this survey for coaching only, mind you, is $61,900 or at least it was as of the 2016 report. So if you want to know more about that, you can go over to the coaching, the Federation, International Coach Federation, and check out their website um, and see what they have to offer. You can also listen to someone like Tony Wilkins who knows a thing or two about doing workshops, putting together workshops, and coaching other people. Tony Wilkins, welcome back to Back Porch Rider.
1: Hi, thanks so much for having me. I was listening to those statistics and going, I know nothing about that. (laughs) (laughs) I always wonder with the coaching, it's a booming... That's interesting, it's good information.
0: Yeah, it's booming, but it's like, you know, not everybody needs to go and become a certified coach. I wonder about that a lot, actually, because the Need to be certified. Well, okay, be certified in what exactly? Because there's lots of things that well, you could be coaching someone in.
1: <laughs> well, so I do but, wonder what people and, look for. That's a whole different animal because you know I'm not cert- i am not a certified coach. I have no interest in being a certified coach. I don't have that kind of time nor patience. But <laughs> um, because I have 30 different um, topics that I teach, everything from making money as a speaker. To sales coaching, to B two B appointment setting and lead generation, a little bit of, of, of everything. And I've got a new um, a new topic uh, from transition to transformation, which is something that I just began teaching. And because I, I was having so many people coming to me and saying, "How did you transition to where you are you are now?" And so I teach mm-hmm. people how to, how to do that. Um, But, you know, there's money in it, but you also have to know how to go out and get the money. Uh, And Mm -hmm. a lot of speakers really don't make a lot of money because they haven't figured out how to monetize what they do. And and that's a problem. I, I deal with a lot of speakers who are saying, I have no money, I can't afford to do this, they're spending all this money on coaching and classes, and yet, you know, they're broke. And they don't know how – and these are are speakers who are going out there and they're speaking on a regular basis, but they haven't figured out how to monetize what they do. And that's why I teach the class.
0: Okay, so now that begs the question, how do you monetize what you do as a
1: speaker? That's a I, whole I other workshop. Okay. I can't even that now. Uh, there are a couple of different ways to do it, and it depends on really what your overhead is. It depends on what type of speaker you are. You know, if you're a keynote speaker, then that's usually you know for people who say, well, I don't speak for free or I don't speak to sell. You know, I want people to cut me a check, which is terrific. But it is, you know, few and far between. Those are the hard ones to get because you've got to find a corporation or an association who's willing, who's got the money to pay you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can take, you know, months to set up. Once you're in there, then, you know, it's gravy. It's good money. Um, but it does take a long, a long time to do it. What I do, I, I've done keynotes, but I'm mostly a workshop uh, speaker, meaning that I'm in front of maybe 100 people, maybe a little bit more, and I'm sort of teaching what I know, and it's more mm-hmm. interactive. And so a couple of different ways that I make money. Number one, um, depending on the venue, I will usually have a registration fee, that I charge to the speakers. And there's a, a bit of controversy around that because a lot of um, the more established speakers will say, well, I never pay to speak. And, you know, and, and I used to be one of those speakers. But then I began to realize that depending on the opportunity, you sort of have to see whether or not it's worth it. Um, there are meeting planners out there who are charging thousands, literally thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, to have a speaker come on and, you know, share the stage with them. What speakers who who often complain about, I don't pay to speak, what they don't really get is that there's um, there's always some cost involved to producing a workshop or a conference. You know, you've gotta you've gotta cover your overhead because if you're spending a few hundred dollars on the room rental and then, you know, more money on the advertising and promotion and that sort of thing, and if you have food, that's even more money. You're gonna wind up being broke before you know it. Uh, so the registration fees sort of helps me to over uh, to um, offset my costs. Uh, and then there's ticket sales. There's sponsorships. You know, I get a lot of companies, small and mid-sized companies, who will email me and say, you know, I want to help you underwrite this because they get more publicity out of it, more exposure. Um, I get. I don't work with a lot of corporations, but corporations are another way to make uh, to generate revenue and make money. And then um, what I tend to do is also cross promote with the two magazines that I publish and the five different radio shows that I publish. So no. they're getting a lot of promotion, plus they get the email list of the attendees. Mm. So that's just a small way of how do you make money. And then, and I, I haven't even talked about, you know, making the offer when you're, you know, after you've given your presentation, that's how most of us make our money. We make an offer.
0: Like what? Give me an example.
1: Well, an offer that I I tend to do a lot is um, if, because I I have so many different products and services, I sort of give people a list and I say, listen, um, I realize everybody has has kind of a tight budget. If you spend $400 or more with me on any of my products and services, then I'll give you... Um, one year of advertising for free on one of my shows Mm -hmm. and people tend to take me up on it. So, you know, depending on what your overhead is, if you get a a couple of those, then you've made some pretty good money for a couple of hours of work.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now let's back up a little bit because Mm -hmm. some people may not have heard you on the show in the past, in the past. So, how did you get into this whole line of work with the speakers and becoming a speaker and creating workshops?
1: Uh, I'll give you the condensed version. The, yeah, I've always taught what I know, but I, it's mostly, you know, I'll, I have a, well, let me backtrack. I used to be one of the highest paid b to P telemarketers in Chicago and then in San Francisco. And I would get these clients who would, who would come to me and they'd say, how do you do what you do? You know, you're setting these great appointments, and it was really, you know, wonderful. Can you teach me? And so I would, you know, they'd say, uh, you know, what do you charge? And I was charging, you know, 100 bucks an hour at a time or whatever. And, uh, and then um, I had always wanted to be a writer, and the first book that I published was the telemarketing success for small and midsize firms, which became a bestseller, particularly or in spite of the fact that every literary agent and publisher turned it down and said there's no market. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that there was a market, and you know I was I was right. And then I said, well, how am I gonna, how am I gonna sell more books? And then it suddenly hit me: you need to get in front of your core audience. How do you do that? You teach what you know. And so I began doing workshops on B2B telemarketing. And um, eventually, um, I really decided I, I wanted to do more uh, because I was getting booked to speak at different conferences, but it was, it was like pulling teeth, you know, because it's so competitive, and I said, um, "Why don't you just create the kind of conferences that you want to speak at?" And so I did. And hmm. then I started getting more and more speakers that would come to me and they'd say, "Well, can I speak at at your conference?" I heard you, uh, you had a really great or now can I speak at your next one." And then I said, "You know what? I'm getting a lot of calls for this. I need to start charging because I've got over it. And you know, I don't charge as much as a lot of meeting planners. I only charge maximum $199, and each speaker gets a half an hour. They get the email list. They can make an offer, and you know, they get to really sort of connect with the attendees. And we usually get, um, depending on whether or not it's a one or two-day conference, we usually get about 100 to 150 people, you know, per per conference, and, and which sounds small. But that's kind of the lane that I'm in. Um, The larger conferences are fine, but you don't really get a chance to really connect with anybody. And so it Mm -hmm. kind of works for me. Hopefully that answered your question. (laughs) No, that's
0: awesome. You know, I'm sitting here thinking there was that number, that 150 number, and I can't recall what researcher or who this was that came up with this, but... um, It was that 150 number is actually supposed to be the ideal, like tribe size, people size, group size. And it's where many businesses actually flourish is at that 150 number. So it doesn't surprise me at all that a conference that is going 100 to 150, maybe pushing it a little bit beyond that, but not too much, would be really successful because people do, as you said, have an opportunity to connect more. I mean, that's just the reality of it. I'm going to a conference in July, a positive psychology conference in Montreal, and I have no idea how many people they have attending that. I have a feeling it's going to be quite big. I'm an introverted person, so this will be challenging for me to, to go to the conference and connect with people anyway. But the, you know the, if it were a little smaller, I'd probably have a little more success in connecting with people there. Um, well, you know that, what? I'm, I'm going to okay, give you a
1: tip. Okay, I'm going to give you a tip. Uh, and and I've got, I'm going to give you a tip, and I'm going to share something with you. In the time that we've been on, on the uh, on the show, I received an email or an instant message from someone who's been following me on Facebook, and she said, you know, I've been reading all of your your, your accomplishments and everything you're doing, and I'm looking at the pictures of people that are attending your workshops and conferences, and I want to know – where can I get the links to register for your conferences because I want to be, you know, a speaker at one of your conferences. That's how I'm getting a good chunk of my business because people are seeing what I'm doing. They're hearing about me. They know, you know, if you're a speaker, yes, there's a registration fee. They don't care about that because they figure that if they close one deal, they'll more than make up for the 150 to, you know, $199. Um, and so they're, they're perfectly okay with that. Now, so that's number one. Number two, here's how you how you as an introvert, because I'm an introvert, and when I teach my influential networking workshops, here's what I tell people: I don't network with anybody anymore. I don't don't ask me out for coffee. I won't go, you know, because that that requires that I put on pants and leave my apartment. Um, that's a joke, um, but I don't network with people on a regular basis you know the only time I go to networking events if, if if I just want to get out of the apartment but here's what you do the next time you're at a networking event you walk up to somebody and you ask them two questions and this always gets me either a meeting or business two questions what do you need how can I help mm-hmm. that's it that okay. is the premise behind, and we don't have time to for me to actually explain the process, but that is the premise behind my my um workshop of influential networking okay. um because it's really about building influence through reciprocal relationships, long-term reciprocal relationships. You will notice that whenever you and I communicate, I will always ask you those two questions, or I'll I'll ask, you know, do you need anything? Is there something Mm -hmm. I can help you with? Okay? Um, And and so I like to to hear that mirrored back to me when I'm speaking with people, and I always start every conversation with, what do you need? How can I help? And most people can't answer those two questions. Because nobody ever thinks, well, what do I need in order to grow my business? They never think about it mm-hmm. because nobody ever thinks to ask them. Mm-hmm. If you start with those two questions, I guarantee you it's a, it's, a, it's a life changer.
0: I've got to remember that. I don't go to a lot of conferences or networking type things. Uh, but when I do, I do have to remember some of the things because it really is challenging for me as, as an introvert. And I'm a little shy, so I've got to really push myself, you know.
1: Absolutely, and and I'm the same way. I look for the vodka whenever I go to to any event um, because I'm really horrible at chit chat. I don't like to chit chat, and, and so whenever I, I go to a conference, I start out by asking those two questions. And it's funny; those two questions are really simplistic, and it's funny how many people get a, get the wrong get the uh, the questions wrong, you know. They'll they'll say, "How do you do?" And like, no, that's not it. <laughs> and then when I when I tell them the correct the correct way to ask the questions, they're like, "Oh my God, it's so simple!" But I'm having trouble remembering that. And then once they get it and they see the response, they never forget it again.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: so tell the two questions again. What do you need? How can I help?
0: How can I help? You know, and it's interesting because that really is. I think, at least from my perspective, as an introvert, I love being able to help other people. I'm one of those type of. I did the whole Gallup thing where you find your strengths and whatnot, and I am one of those data gather people. I love to do research, so I tend to know a lot about just a crazy amount of stuff because I like to research. And so, if if I just start asking that question, it might be really helpful. (laughs) And go, oh, I read this research study that might interest you, or Oh, I learned about yeah. I've got to remember this
1: <laughs> exactly. Thanks, and 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 be prepared for people when you ask those two questions. Be prepared for people not be being prepared or being able to answer those two questions, because mm-hmm. most people will get a look on their face like, wow, you know, I don't really know what I need. Um, and what I do at my workshops, I have this handout that says influential networking and. You know, I will say, what do you need to grow your business and tell me what how I can help? And what it is, is I want to be able to connect you to resources, to uh, personalities that can help you, you know, whatever is mm-hmm. going to help you grow your business. Um, one one tip that I shared at the summit in New York was, because I, I got a lot of people that said, I need capital. And so mm. I asked the room, I said, you know, do you guys know about PayPal um, working capital? And nobody had ever heard of it before. And I said, how many of you have PayPal accounts? And half the room raised their hands. I said, if you don't have one, you need to get one. Because PayPal working capital has something where um, they will loan you the money that you need to, to, you know, whatever it is for your business to grow your business. And I think it's over $100,000 that they will
0: they will loan
1: you. But the way that they they decide whether or not what to loan you is based on your sales through PayPal. So they take a percentage between 10 20, or 30% of your sales from each sale, and that's how you pay it back. And so they don't look at your credit, they look at your sales. And um, it's a fantastic way to do it. As a matter of fact, I used them um, two months ago. The loan is already paid off. I knew it had some extra expenses. And, um, I mean, it just worked out really well. The loan is is now completely paid off, you know. And uh, I know that if I need to do working capital again, I know that it's there. But most small business owners don't even know that it exists. Uh, And so so what's interesting is that... I've already received emails from people that said, you know what, Um, I want to, um, I've looked at it, it looks really cool, I want to to see whether or not I can get a loan. As a matter of fact, one of the people already said, well, I'm doing, you know, $2,000 a month uh, in sales, and I was able to get a $4,000 loan. Mm. Wonderful. That's information that most people don't even know exists, you know.
0: Yeah, I had no idea. I had no idea. And there that. you have
1: it. <laughs> and now I have it exactly. And now, now
0: you have it. You. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, I'm a <laughs> walking,
1: encyclopedia of resources. So, but see,
0: that's it. That's um, one reason why you I'm need to be
1: here. on the show. <laughs> well, you know, I appreciate you, it.
0: You've got that whole business side of it that, you know, I, I'm one of those people who, yes, I'm an entrepreneur. Yes, I, I do the things I do, but. Don't really like that business side of it so much. I like the connecting with people and getting them connected thing more. Mm -hmm. Not gonna lie, that's that's where where my head is. You know, so it's nice. Well, and and
1: you you have have to to do what's comfortable. I'm lucky because I happen to be an artist who happens to also have a head for business. And Mm -hmm. because I'm a, a small business strategist, part of what I like to do is not only connect people but also give them the tools and the resources that they need in order to grow their business. Because it was, if you don't know that the information is out there, it makes it that much harder. But if you know that you've got these options, now you can make more, um, you know, better decisions.
0: Let me ask you this. When did you,
1: mm-hmm.
0: okay, let me say it this way. How did you know this is where you would go? Because this is, before you did all this, as you said, you know you were successful in a slightly different path. You know what's mm-hmm. the what was the tone or who was Tony Wilkins before all that? Did you know when you were young what you wanted to do or how you would connect with people or what was that all about for you? Well,
1: you yeah, have to that's know. The- that's a great question. Um, the short answer is that, yes, I knew that I wanted to be a writer. That was first and foremost. I had no intention of being on the radio or being a public speaker. That wasn't even, you know, my mindset. I knew that I wanted to write. As an introver, a fellow introvert, that's what we do. We're most comfortable when we're, you know, when we're in our own thoughts and we're doing our own thing and nobody's bothering us. Um, the way that I transitioned, and it's funny because I just told this story the other day, the way that I transitioned from telemarketing into public speaking and, and as a a writer is because I was making a lot of money, but I was miserable. I I mean, Mm. to the point where I was, I was uh, depressed and suicidal because Mm. I didn't want to do the telemarketing and I certainly didn't want to be a 50 year old telemarketer and not that there's anything wrong with it but I just knew this is not what I'm supposed to be doing and what was funny was that God, in the universe has a way of sort of putting things in front of you and when the economy went in the toilet um, a lot of my telemarketing contracts sort of dried up and I said okay what are you going to do what are you going to do and you know, I thought long and hard and I started doing more and more coaching and I slowly got away from the telemarketing. Now I don't do it at all. And mm-hmm. that's how I do it. That's how I
0: did it. Yeah. And it sounds like every time I talk to you it just sounds like you're this is so fulfilling for you to do what you're doing right now.
1: It you know, I, I gotta admit uh on those t- is where my patience is tried when I'm having a really rough day, I always say, you know what, you could be doing telemarketing. <laughs> you could be doing telemarketing. Um, and you're not anymore, and you don't ever want to go back to doing that again. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but I realized that that's, I was on the wrong path. You know? Or maybe I was on a path that I knew, okay, it's time to, to find a new path. You know, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes, I'm very lucky, and I do I do acknowledge that I get to work from mm-hmm. home and to teaching. I get to help people. I get to teach what I know. People actually uh, buy my books and buy my programs, and you know I make money and, and I'm, I'm able to support myself and you know live very comfortably. And you know I'm yeah I'm very lucky. Mm-hmm.
0: What do you think is for you? What's the most
1: rewarding? aspect of what you're doing? Um, When I, well, two things. One, when people actually listen to me, (laughs) which is always shocking. (laughs) And two, when I see one of my protégés sort of step into their own. Um, Really great example, there was a young woman who attended a workshop um, of mine at the public library did not recognize her. She came to me, and she was sitting in the front row, and I always go around the room and ask people to sort of introduce themselves and tell me about who they are, what they do, you know, that sort of thing, and, and what do you need, how can I help? I, so I do that whole thing, and so she said, you know, you probably don't remember me, but I attended several of your workshops about two years ago uh, about public speaking, and so I asked her. I said, "So what are you doing now?" She's like, "Well, I'm still taking courses." And I said, "Well, have you done any public speaking yet?" She's like, "No." And I'm like, well, "What the hell are you waiting for?" You know? She's like, "Well, you know, I haven't had the opportunity." And blah, blah, blah. so we had a long conversation. And I said, "Okay, you need to stop. You need to stop this. Is this something you want to do?" She's like, "Yes. I just haven't had, you know, I just don't know where to where to begin." I said, "Okay." I made a phone call. I called a buddy of mine. I said, "Look, I have someone who needs a room. She's got no money. She needs a room to do a workshop. Can you help?" And you know, after a, a few back and forths, we got her a room. Didn't cost her anything. She's doing her first workshop uh, next Saturday, and I'm one of the one of the main speakers. I had another uh, speaker, similar situation. She was. Uh, she put something together in Sacramento. She had never done it before. She had a full house. I was one of the speakers. She had a full house. Wow. That's when I know what I'm doing is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's when I
0: know. Well, Tony, how can people get a hold of you if they want to reach out and connect?
1: Well, you can connect with me on Facebook, on LinkedIn. It's Tony Wilkins, W-I-L-K-I-N-S. And Tony is spelled with an, a Y, not an I. Some people get that wrong. Um, and I'm a handsome black gentleman. Uh, my picture is on there. And you'll you'll connect with me on Twitter if you want, Facebook, LinkedIn. Email is usually the easiest. And my email address is a little... Complicated. It's a w i l two six seven four eight seven at aol dot com. That's a w i l two six seven four eight seven at aol dot com.
0: Oh, I'm going to have you repeat it again. I'm putting it into
1: the show notes right now. Oh, a w i l. Two six seven four eight seven at aol dot com.
0: Four eight seven. Or
1: a will. At aol. Uh, at aol dot com. A will. Two six seven four eight seven at aol dot com.
0: Okay, I'm putting connect with Tony. You rock.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs>
0: you know gotta put those things in there just so people know i mean like you know they listen the whole conversation here and they don't know i mean really (laughs) so uh tony i'm gonna let you go because i know you've got tons of things going on because you're always busy but i want to thank you so much for being with me again on back porch rider it's so much fun to talk with you
1: well Likewise, and thank you so much for having me. And, you know, if you you all email me, you know, be prepared to answer those two questions. What do you need and how can I help? And I'm happy to help any way that I can. You have a great day. You too. Thanks again.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Bye-bye. All right. Be sure you get in touch with Tony if you want to know anything about anything that we discussed right now, you know, and you go back in the archives and find all the shows. You should be able to search to find them. His name is usually in the title. Um, this time it isn't, I called this Launch Your Writer Platform, um, partly because I had an interesting experience in one of my classes uh, just recently. I was thinking of, I'm was i taking a five-week research methods class, and the professor asked uh, it's what I thought was sort of an odd question. And it had something to do with You know, how would, what advice would we give, we the students, to researchers about how they should approach uh, the whole sort of publishing experience, I guess is what it came down to. And I had a very practical approach because as a writer, as an entrepreneur, as an author, these are the things that I think about all the time in terms of writer platform. So I gave my response and it came down to you need to at at, at least have a website, have something where people can land. So they know what it is that you do. You know, Uh, Tony has things. Tony has all the radio things that he does. So it's easy to find Tony. If you just Google Tony Wilkins, you'll start to see a bunch of people. But if you do Tony Wilkins blog talk radio, you'll find him. You do Tony Wilkins, uh, the career whisperer. You're going to find him. You do Tony Wilkins, West Coast speaker. You're going to find him. So you have to think in terms of what keywords you need to put with your name uh, while you're building your website platform. And I think the website landing page something so people know who you are and what you do. And that's the one thing that many researchers, which is what I was going out in my response to the professor, don't do. There is a tremendous amount of research available to anyone on a variety of topics, anything you can imagine just about. But most of us lay people don't know anything about it and it's hard to find it. It just is. It'd be so much easier if these researchers actually created, you know, some sort of landing page or website so they could build their platform, which they typically from my experience don't consider. They are in fact writers they are in fact authors. They're publishing all the time. it has to be a requirement for them. So that's what they do. And it'd be so much easier if they just actually had a webpage. So, That's why this is Launch Your Writer Platform. It's in conjunction with talking with Tony about speaking and how do you launch that? How do you start to become a public speaker? So I hope you found some insights as you were listening to our discussion on how he's done it, how he's helped other people do it. Is it easy? No, not necessarily. Does it take a lot of work? Yeah, it does. But if it's what you really have an interest in, it won't feel like work. It just won't. And that's the reality of all of it. It just is something that, yeah, it's going to have its hiccups, but at the end of the day, you're going to be kicking up your feet saying, you know what, damn, I'm lucky. I get to do what I love doing with a lot of interesting people over your field might be. And so for Tony, it happens to be, Really helping the the entrepreneur who wants to launch what they're doing, and in many times, in many instances, those entrepreneurs are people who want to get into speaking because that's something that he specializes in. So if you're interested in that, I would encourage you to check out Tony. His email is listed in the the uh, show notes right here. He already told you. You can listen to it again if you need to, um, and then of course try and connect with him uh, over on you know Twitter and Facebook and and all of that jazz. Uh mean, you, you will find him because he you know, he's just doing all kinds of really fun stuff, and I, I always enjoy having him on the Back Porch Rider program. On that note, if you'd like to be a guest for the Back Porch Rider program, all you need to do is go over to Calendly and search for Back Porch Rider or Corey Miller, and you'll be able to get to the the scheduling software. You can also go to backportrider.com, which is probably easier. Go to backportrider.com. I have a guest spot page. But either way you can get a spot on the show. Um, I have no idea what schedule is coming up. I haven't had a chance to look. I'm not going to lie. I know it's booked uh, but I don't know how far in advance it's booked at this moment. I think it might go into August but not September necessarily. So go check it out. Get yourself signed up you know, are you an expert in some particular area? You know, can you offer some great insights like Tony did um, from your area that applies to people who are writers and authors and not necessarily, you know, in fiction only. It can be nonfiction. It could be you're in public speaking and you're creating a book so that you can propel your speaking career. That's fine, too. You know, whatever you're an expert in, just shoot me a message from there and let me know. And if I think it's a good fit, you know, you'll be on the show. If it's not a great fit, that doesn't mean you won't be on the show. It just means we might have to ferret some things out and see what you do and and maybe tailor it a little bit more to the audience. And that's cool too. We can do that. I'm flexible like that. I'm a willow. But not like my neighbor's dog, who's a great Dane. If you missed that whole comment, that was from last week about my neighbor's dog. Um, Great, 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 great Dane. Great, great, great Dane. It's a great Dane and it's already big, and it's only like nine months or ten months old, and the thing is huge, but lots of fun. At any rate, get back in touch with me if you'd like to be a guest on the Back Porch Rider program. I look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, pull the chair, sit the bell, and write. Thanks for listening to Back Porch Rider. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe via iTunes, so people just like you can find the show. If you've got comments, questions, or want to be a guest, visit BackforceWriter.com for details. I'm your host, Corey Miller. Until next time, pull the chair, sit a spell, and write.